Welcome to Opposable Thumbs, a podcast where Taylor and Rob tackle a new creative challenge every two weeks and talk about our accomplishments, failures, and lessons learned. Gridlock is our challenge this episode, and thanks to our previous guest, Liz from Blitz City DIY, for that challenge. David Picciuto is our guest this episode. Greetings, David. Hello. My name is Rob Ray. I use the he, his gender pronoun, and I'm a designer by day and an artist by night and make music and objects using the name Shimmering Trash Pile. And I'm Taylor Hokinson. I'm an artist, educator, DIY enthusiast, CAD cam evangelist, noted tall person, Midwestern Viking, and I'm a he, his kind of guy. Here's the thing. I, I, I was actually Googling Shimmering Trash Pile because like, mm, I want to <laughs> see some work. So uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I get easily distracted. My name is David Picciuto. <laughs> anyway, I just found uh, your Twitter, but I'm going to focus oh, more nice. on recording yeah, cool. the podcast. So... Uh, I do mostly woodworking uh, on YouTube, but I'm always trying to branch out and try new things. And so this past year, we got into some metalworking. Um, I want to get into more art. In my younger days, I used to do a lot of photography, and I haven't done so much of that in in the past 10 years or so, and I kind of want to get back into that. And so... Um, I have all the, and I'm a musician as well. And so I have all these creative things that I like doing and, uh, I share what I do on YouTube and Instagram and, and Twitter. So you, you have a channel, it's called make something and you have what feels like a really interesting and good long time relationship with a local business in your town, Kincraft. Y- yes. They're like a, as I understand it, a local woodworking supply company in Toledo, where you live, or where, where you, near where you live. Yeah, they're in Toledo. They're a hardwood dealer. They don't have like they don't okay. have woodworking tools, but they have all the wood that I can I ever see. want. Yes. Every time you mention them, I'm always a little bit shocked because it just feels like a cool relationship with them that you have, and I kind of just have come to expect YouTube channels to have relationships with like larger kind of national slash global companies. You know. Mm-hmm. And I was just wondering if you could say more about your collaborations with Kincraft and kind of what you like about the relationship and maybe how you think they might perceive the value of what you do and just kind of how that goes, because it just seems really neat and unique that you work with a local business instead of someone so big. Oh, yeah. Um, Well, so they are, uh, it's called Kincraft Company, and it's a family-owned business. So everybody that works in there, and there's five of them. They're all family. It's the husband and wife. Wow. The kid, um, who's not a kid. I mean, he's in his forties and his wife and then, um, his brother-in-law all work there. And so a completely family owned business. They've been around for almost 30 years, I think. And they started off really small and they just kind of expanded over time. And so, if you're a woodworker and you meet other woodworkers, especially when you're new at it, all you want to do is talk woodworking. You want to show off what you're doing and you want to see what other people are doing. <laughs> so when I was new getting into woodworking years ago, I would go in there and I just started talking to them and I'd be like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And woodworkers love flexing their muscles. And so, you know, they're always like, well, this is this is a good way to do it. And And so it just started, this is even before I was making videos. And so I just got to know them by name. And then I started making videos and then it kind of took off and I would mention them every once in a while. And and I would go in and like, 
we had people come in here who saw you on on YouTube and they, they're in here because of you. And I'm like, oh, that's great. And so then we kind of worked out a, a deal. They don't I don't get any money from them, but I do get pretty much all the wood that I want for my projects, which is a oh, very great. fortunate situation because uh, hardwoods can be expensive. And yeah. Uh, and since I'm trying to make something every single week, that expense would be pretty crazy. Um, so we've got a really good relationship. They don't tell me what to say in the video. They don't have any input in the video. They just want their name mentioned. And they're just the coolest people. They're almost too cool because I can't go in there and go <laughs> quickly get a piece of maple and then sneak out and go back home i go in there and then we get caught up in conversation and then it's an hour and a half later and i'm like i gotta get back to work what i have with them is is really special they're they're great friends of mine i remember talking to a guy i knew i can't remember his name but he uh was a business guy and i could just i'd always thought you know oh people who get into business they just care about money and stuff but then he had this really cool way of thinking about it where if he did his job right, then every party that was involved in a decision would be happy afterwards. And I thought, oh, that's a really cool way of thinking about it. I'm curious to see when it comes time for me to build a normal size shuffleboard table. Uh, if, uh -huh. <laughs> if they'll still give me all the wood for that, because that's um, like you yeah. see them and they're made out of like the, the actual plane surfaces is m hard maple. And then the rest of it could be like this uh -huh. beautiful walnut. And it, that's going to come out to like thousands of dollars of wood. So yep. I can't wait to go in there one day with uh, like, I need uh, this many board feet. How do you feel about yeah. that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, David, I had a question too, because I was looking through um, some of your back uh, videos and I just wanted to talk about some of the parts I really liked about them. I was looking in particular at a video called how to make a drop leaf table with a rule joint where you were addressing this kind of tight little kitchen you had and, um, putting in a table that could, um, give you more room to walk by your fridge and so forth. Yes. And I really was enjoying as a fellow kind of media producer, the way that you left all of the errors in, but also <laughs> did it in such a way. So, so it unfolds like a narrative where you're sort of, you're clearly in control of the narrative but then you had a, lo a lot of nice little moments where you would sort of wink at the camera. So, for example, there was a your videographer said, well, can you move that can over? And you said, well, no, because it's currently catching a leak from the roof. But then you also just wind up using that can later in the uh, video to do your radius on the side of the, of the corner of the table. I don't remember this, but this <laughs> that's great. I came up with that? No, no, tell me about it. I mean, I think we're on, this is our 67th episode, and it's really funny if I listen back, even just a couple weeks ago, I can't really remember what I was talking about. You just had a bunch of really nice stuff in there, and then you had Brusso as a sponsor. Yeah. Because I've used their brass hinges as well. So I used them to make this, like, walnut enclosure to have these um, um, sterling silver casts inside. But I just thought you did a really good job. Like, clearly you know what you're talking about, and part of what you know is how to clean up after the mistakes that you make. And you make a, a number of them in this video. Mm, yeah. But the, the sum total is like, nobody's perfect. The thing still works at the end and looks great. And how you get, the only way to be honest about how to get there is just to show the screw-ups and the fixing. So I thought that was really cool. The the funny thing is, like, I, I don't remember the, um, the can bit in there. Yeah. But I do remember <laughs> that Brusso paid me money to use their hinges in the video. So that was a sponsored right. video by Brusso. And mm -hmm. I, I make this table and I completely did not read. And they have very simple instructions. <laughs> and I completely just ignored them and then made this right, video. Right, right. 
And I had to email my, my contact there. And I was like, so I used the hinges wrong. Uh, let me know if you approve the video. And they were totally fine with it. I felt so bad. <laughs> I think with a lot of makers, there's a, like, we just want to dive in and we don't want to read too much and, and learn. Yeah. It's like you, you learn by doing. And so I'm like, uh -huh. oh, these are hinges. Of course I know how to use hinges. And <laughs> What am I, a caveman? Yeah, what, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So, but Bruce yeah. was a great company. They were, they were totally, totally cool with it. And uh, I think I even worked with them since then, so. But, and just before we leave that video behind, you know, from a videographer and documentarian standpoint, you have like a callback joke where stand in the place where you were is playing on the radio and then the text on the screen is sand in the place that you were. And yes, yes, you know, it's kind of like a hacky joke, but it plays out visually for maybe four seconds and then some time goes by and you forget it. And then you do a callback to that joke where it's just on the screen for one second. And then the, the third callback, it's just and like it's on there just for a few frames but by that time you're so prepped to hear that song that even just that tiny tiny burst of sound you know that it's the joke again but you also recognize that you need to leave it behind instantly so, yeah, there's just there's a lot of nice stuff on there where the the product felt really um solid even though part of the content is here are the mistakes i made so yeah it's cool thank you yeah that so the the stand in stand in the place where you live I've used that many times in many videos. Okay. And then um, it is, you know, it got old, but then I kept doing yeah, right. it because it got old. You know, there's a, there's right, like right. A, a, a second life to a joke sometimes if you just pound it in. Um, and then I stopped using it and people kept like, where's my sand in the place where you live? And yeah, so right, right. I, I found a few different ways to tease that where in videos I would only play like the first second of it yeah, or exactly. I would sand for a really long time on screen with nothing but silence and people uh -huh. waiting for it and then not put it in there. And that just <laughs> drives people nuts. And so now yeah, I yeah, only yeah. use it like once every two or three months. And right. I don't know why, but people people just love that familiarity and the and the um it's like a little inside joke that people really enjoy. Yeah, a meta joke. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely drove me nuts when you didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. But but in a great way. In a way that like it was clear that you knew you weren't doing it. You know, so like yeah. it was so obvious that you weren't doing it that I, for me anyway, I was like, Oh, he knows he's not doing it. <laughs> so <laughs> it was great. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. Rob, did you have any more questions before we take take a look at projects? I just have one and I realized I wrote it down for myself and realize it's not a question at all it's more of a statement <laughs> so but um the key but to I, being I married rob yes well There's actually no questions it's, only statements and it's about being married <laughs> so wow, really? um yeah um so uh just recently david you you made your sixth pair of wedding rings with your partner kelly yes and and as i understand it you make new wedding rings for yourselves every year Correct. Cool. um i mean i think one of the things that i'm always constantly fascinated by with the work that you do is you create these things that feel extremely precise and delicate, but the process of you doing it is not that at all, really, you know, mm -hmm. and then making your rings. I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't have the tools or the skills to be able to do that. And then when you showed how you do it, I was like, Oh my gosh, that's like, so it's not easy, but it's certainly accessible and doable if you wanted to try it a few times and probably get it right, you know? So anyway, um, great photography too. 
So good. Yeah. Thank you. So good. Even if you don't make the things that I'm making this, like hopefully it inspires you in some way to at least like give it a, give it a try. I mean, not everybody has the same tool set. Every shop is going to be different. And so I do my very, very best to make it look easy. Sometimes that means leaving out mistakes and sometimes I leave mistakes in. It depends if it helps the, the story at all. But that's that's the goal is to make it look like, hey, you can do this. Give it a try. So Taylor and I, I think, call ourselves, quote unquote, artists, you know, and that's like a, a weird word. And it's like socially loaded and it makes people immediately not want to talk to you when you say you're an artist. <laughs> but <laughs> but, right. but um, what I really like about the r- rings that you make um, is that you're sort of connecting your your skill and craft and creativity um to a kind of ritual or to doing like something cool with your person, you know, mm-hmm. um, the, your video really helped me figure out what I think art is for me. And it's just for me. I don't, I don't know what other people think of it, but it's like connecting, doing or making with other parts of the human experience, you know, mm-hmm. whether that's marriage or, or just spending time with someone else or whatever it is. And I was like, that's, that's it. That's it. That's my own personal definition of art. And it's a thing like, I've spent a long time trying to figure out. And so through your ring making video, I kind of oh, wow. hit on it. Like, like this is it. This is, this is for me, like my definition of art. And I was curious, I know art is something, you know, you're a musician and you do all sorts of other things. And I was just curious about your art making yeah. life. I have a definition of art for myself. Oh, great. Great. Okay, cool. Cool. And for me, it's reaction. Art is meant oh. to cause a reaction, either good or bad or just to get people to talk and so there's art that is just purely visual and you react to it and you think oh i like that i don't like that there's art to make you mad uh, or to make you happy it just it I, i think it's there just to cause a reaction and so when you see somebody like a famous artist and all they do is they paint a black square on a white canvas and you get the reaction of well anybody can do that i can do that that is art because they made you they made you react to that thing and so i i don't feel like art is a really hard thing for me because i call myself an artist but i don't feel like i create enough art at least art that mm-hmm. doesn't have a purpose other than a reaction right right and i want to get yep. more into that and whenever i kind of dabble that into the videos i i don't get a good reaction i don't get people will will skip over those videos and so i've made a uh the model for 2020 for me is to take chances take a lot more chances so i'm going to do a lot more art projects in 2020 that don't serve a purpose other than to cause a reaction and it's going to be tricky but i think it's possible to when somebody doesn't watch when when i put out a video and it doesn't get good views i think it's that's that's always going to be my fault i didn't make a good enough thumbnail i didn't give it a good enough Mm, title like yeah. If I can get somebody just to click play, I think I can hook them in the first few seconds to watch the video. So I'm gonna take I'm gonna I'm gonna just take some more chances and make some more art this year. And I don't know. Art art is That's a cool. you're right. Art is a tricky word and when you call yourself an artist, you you get the oh yeah, you snob. Yep. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm, tr- I'm trying so hard not to put on my professor head over here and make you guys talk uh-huh. about this more. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great topic. I mean, I think yeah, the one yeah. thing that I would throw in just for everyone to think about, and I'm curious what you think, but the I do think art winds up being disassociated from function. But I think um, objects can totally just have a cultural function, but they can also have a practical function too at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that design tends to try and take ownership of things that are more um, flatly useful, you know, like a wedding ring or something like that. But the fact that you're remaking them and, um, you know, the way in which you discard or perhaps you're using a different term, the original object and the way in which you're documenting it and the, the platform you're using to disseminate it. I mean, I think having to hang a term on it like art um, loads it in a way that isn't necessarily productive. And so I think that's why people have gotten so into terms like making, because David, correct me if I'm wrong, but your your primary interest is you want to make stuff, right? But then your secondary thing is like, well, I don't want to be limited by this notion that it has to be useful, right? Mm-hmm. Is that right? Is that yeah? Yeah. So maybe like maybe the art trying to wrestle with the word art is actually not productive for our group because we're allowing ourselves to be you know, all that baggage that comes with that. You know what I mean? Um, so I just want to encourage you guys to, I, I love the, the mission statement. That's the sentence. Uh, let the term go. You know what I'm saying? Like that. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that term doesn't really work anymore, but that's just me. So I'm more, I, I have this set of 10 shop rules that uh, I haven't, I, I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm not ready to talk about the 10 rules yet because it's, cool, a, cool. it's yep, going yep. to be an upcoming video and we're going to make posters of it. I tease, <laughs> yes. But rule number six is only artists create art. And yeah. so I'm going to have these, it's going to be a poster and it's going to be the 10 rules. But in the video, I'm going to explain what I mean by each rule. So only artists mm. create art is my way of saying it's okay to call yourself an artist. Mm-hmm. You're, you're making stuff. Art doesn't have a real definition. It's what you make of it. And so call yourself an artist. That's cool. cool. Kind of the flip side of the same coin that Taylor's talking about. The term has so much malleability. Yeah. You can either choose to discard it or choose to claim it and just rock that. You know? yep. Yeah. That's cool. For sure. Um, w- David, we'll, we'll link to the videos that we talk about uh, into the show notes so people can get to them. I did, I did just want to make reference to one more and then we'll shift over into challenges. Okay. But um, I was very excited that you said the word poster just now because mm-hmm. the poster you made... Uh, I guess it was, was it last year? The silk screen one, the oh, printed the, one you did? Of the, the conversion, the metric, or not yes. the metric, but the, the fraction to decimal chart. Yeah, that was, yeah, is was six, eight months ago. So beautiful. Oh, thank you. It's both useful. It's also design and it's also art. Like I just thought it was such a really great take on something that feels very, almost purely practical. Yeah. Or even something that people would think of like, you don't even need this anymore. You have the internet and like you sort of turned it into this amazing thing. So I thought it was really cool. I, I wish I would have talked about it more in the video. I'm, I'm, I need to learn how to tell stories and attach stories to projects a little bit better. But the inspiration behind that is, yes, when we're in the shop and I need to convert 0. 0.0652 to a fraction or the yes. other way around, uh-huh. first thing I do is I go to the phone, you know, hey, yep, Siri or whatever you're, you're using. And um, I also find myself in antique malls quite a bit. And I see these old, like, automotive posters and um, 
or it'll be in the back of some sort of automotive parts can or something. And they have these charts and there's just this absolute beauty and there's simplicity to a lot of them. And so that was kind of the inspiration. I, I took some of these old automotive posters and I kind of simplified it even more and just like take out all the unnecessary. What would a woodworker want in this? And then turned it into a poster. Cool. I went to school for graphic design and then use use that to make this this thank you this poster and we only printed i 50 60 and they mm-hmm. they surprisingly sold out like within an hour it was crazy we are going to do uh another run they're not going to be hand screen printed by myself mm-hmm. i'm going to send them out mm-hmm. and and do another run and and then i'll have those for sale but so i want the screen printed ones like the people who jumped on that i want them to have like their one of 50 yeah hand yeah, yeah. handmade ones and we'll we'll do some actual yeah. printed ones for for everybody else that's cool uh should we should we dive into challenges yeah i'm, I'm nervous oh don't be <laughs> so i'm i'm first so taylor and and david take it away and uh i'll stand by David, I'll just start it out to get the ball rolling. I'm just looking at uh, Rob's 001, and it's kind of a collage of images with some text in the middle. So having worked with Rob for a couple of years now, I see some familiar ways of getting started. So he's been into that sort of wireframing mind map kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So he was trying to think about gridlock and attaching it to cars, bats, sound waves, and radio. But then he's also got all these pictures of dents and scratches in cars and things like that. Um, there's a reference to a Science Daily article that says bats avoid collisions by calling less in a crowd. So maybe we're going to get to fuse together classic L.A. gridlock with something more biological. Well, I'm looking at all these photos of dents, and I see it as kind of like like a found art piece. But a col- sure. but then there's a collection. If it was just one photo of a dent, I'd be like, hmm, okay. Yeah, I see what you mean there. But when you put it in a collection of other ones, it gives it a, it gives it a little bit more meaning, a little bit more depth. Yeah, it's kind of it becomes more like landscapes or abstract expressionist paintings or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So as we move along, what other kinds of things do you see developing? So I see um, when I look at this, you mentioned mind maps. I have no clue. I mean, I know what a mind map is, but I have no experience with this. And so when I see this, I see this as a uh, my 1989 flow chart uh, computer yep. class here. Pretty much. Um, yeah, so it looks like <laughs> you're... Um, it actually, you know what, I'm, I'm looking at it now, and it looks like the NCAA basketball tournament bracket. <laughs> we can see we can see Reb starting to move towards more and more specific applications of all these general ideas. So at some point he was considering, could I, could I create a traffic jam? And then instead maybe he's thinking about integrating bats in some way and specifically trying to reproduce echolocation um, around um, actual car traffic. I'm moving on to the third image here, and we have... Ah, so here's... Okay, so there's a screenshot of Google Maps, and then there's a, a photo of a traffic jam, and then there's the, the <laughs> flight, and then there is getting away from it. So it's it's I, I see mm-hmm. it as like being stuck somewhere it's time to get away and then you can breathe out in this desert land that's wide open and anything is possible now. Looking at image four, there's some aerial photography. 
So we're way out in the middle of nowhere, and there's some um, maybe industrial or I would say agricultural buildings, but there's no agriculture around. Um, so they're just <laughs> some sort of plain plain roofs, and I, I can't tell what kind of things happen inside those buildings. We move on to image five, and we see we move from the top-down image of those buildings to a side view. We're out in the middle of the nowhere. There's these two buildings. I'm not sure exactly what their purpose is. Yeah, I think we're creeping closer. So they're big, long yep. buildings, and they're really rough-hewn. So it's some kind of workaday application, I assume. That's not like a condo or anything. And then, okay, so now we're getting more information. Um, uh, by Google Maps estimate, it's about 250 feet from the western edge of the Bat Cave building to the sound tower. Wow, cool. So this sounds like this is there's some kind of active maybe bat habitat or something taking place in those buildings. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Um, I wonder if it's possible just to get bats to roost in a big building like that if you just set it up like a cave. Kind hmm. of. We're now we're inside the, the building. Whoa. Um, this building is, it's, it's falling apart. You can see lots of sunlight mm-hmm. coming through. <laughs> uh, this is not a place that you're going to shelter yourself from, from the weather for sure. Going back to the bats, if you were a bat, you could easily squeeze through some of these holes and maybe make a home in here. And I can't tell for sure the the floor and the beams look like they're covered in shit. Oh yeah, you, you have a you have a good shit detector because uh, that's a, that's a good eye. <laughs> you got a four year old. It's better even than a, than a bullshit detector. It's just a shit detector. It's got all, all the shits. That's right. Yeah, so now I'm slightly disgusted. Yeah. So there's a a tower of some kind, just an observation tower. There's no equipment on it or anything, except maybe some speakers. I can't quite tell. Head down to image nine. Now we're now we're cooking. That's the juicy one. Yeah. Oh, there are wires. So there's an audio signal. We're amplifying that audio signal somehow. Mm-hmm. A solar panel. Bats? Do do bats work? Uh, they they have some sort of radar system, right? Yeah, echolocation. Echolocation. Is that based on sound? Yeah, yeah. So they're they're clicking or squeaking, and then seeing how long it takes the sound to bounce back to make a portrait. I, I'm not sure how that is different from radar. I guess radar uses um, radio signals instead of um, mm. aud- audible material. Okay. I really love, Rob, how you um, organize this image, too, in terms of labeling everything with blue tape. Um, it almost looks like you photoshopped in the blue tape, but I, I suspect <laughs> that it's actually all there. But it's it's kind of just a nice like in-line way to let us know how the image is operating. But you've got your whole electrical setup in terms of how you're going to power this device with a solar panel and batteries and everything. The blue tape is not for Rob. The blue tape is for somebody else to understand what's going on. I got a feeling yeah, he knows sure. he he wouldn't need the blue tape. So uh, image number 10, there's a picture of a ladder. This photo was taken with the first iPhone. And yep. <laughs> uh, it looks so bad. Yeah. I'm not sure what's going on here, but it's there's a flashlight or something shining. Yeah, I think he's back inside one of the bad houses at night, and then yep. maybe installing that electrical equipment up in the rafters somewhere. Oh, uh, is that a yep. drill? That looks like a hand drill. Okay, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then as you keep going down, yeah, so he's got it right up in the corner, maybe so he can feed it out of one of those holes, some of the wires or something. And then if we look at, um, oh, right, because if we look at image 12, he's trying to get that solar panel up onto the roof so he can actually get some juice into it. Uh, I wouldn't trust that roof, by the way. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like he could blow it down with a with a whisper. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Oh, at, and uh, image 13, we are up on one of those platforms. Uh-huh. And then moving on to uh, image 14, there's an action shot of Rob putting this together. Looks like he's plugging in a speaker. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Pointing down yeah, at the Yeah, and ground. then we're h- hooking up a big, um, like a marine battery or something, kind of car battery, uh, and then some audio equipment. Looks like we got a still from a video, so maybe we're going to be seeing... Yep, video is number 16 there. There's a song playing. It's And it sounds it, like people have kind of chipmunk voices or something. It's, it has a very 80s, uh, uh, 1986 <laughs> sound to 80s it. 80s shuffle, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, there is some sort of high-pitched chipmunky type voice on there. And then the the other thing I'm finding really intriguing is if you go to the last image, it just says, now where are the bats? <laughs> so <laughs> well, there's all this setup, but we never actually see a bat. <laughs> well, they're scared away from the, the 80s dance music playing in the previous photo, obviously. David, do you have any thoughts about how this might turn back around and connect back to gridlock? Hmm. Should get a guess out there? No. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. My answer is no. Um, <laughs> but did it provoke a reaction? <laughs> it did. Prov- yeah, this is art. There's no doubt this is art. I, I am reacting to it. It and- is definitely art. I have no idea what's happening. <laughs> yeah. I, well, we started off in what looked like L.A. and in a traffic gridlock, which is the actual definition. And then, and then we left. Yeah. Well, so Rob, I know, has done work out in Salt Lake and other places, so I'm assuming he has some kind of relationship with this organization. I mean, it's possible he was just breaking and entering, <laughs> which would be would be amazing, but um, I'm guessing that there's some kind of studies that take place in this building, usually. So he's going out there to sort of make a, um, you know, like a technological um, intercession here and then he goes out and tries it and then the bats just didn't happen to show up in that particular part of the season but i'm really curious to hear rob talk about it so opposable thumbs we have a challenge and we sort of encourage myself and taylor and our guests to sort of go wherever the challenge takes them as opposed to feeling like they have to Mm -hmm. really like lock in on on the word or the phrase Mm -hmm. and this one i went off the rails on (laughs) (laughs) Which I felt bad about because I was like, I know that's going to be such a struggle to get from like my point A all the way to like point Z, <laughs> but but I, I did the best I could. So, um, gridlock. I had a lot of ideas about gridlock, um, which I I tried to articulate in my mind map. Um, mind mapping is an exercise I really like a lot. I mean, I think it's um, David. I thought it was an interesting point you made that it's kind of a formalization, but in, in what I, how I use it is essentially just to weigh a way to type as quickly as possible all the different creative paths that are in my brain. Um, and then I just took a screenshot at the end of like what those paths were. And so when I get stuck on a challenge, what I tend to do is say like, okay, let me, let me do the classic trope of like Webster's dictionary defines <laughs> gridlock as, you know, and then like, then what is not gridlock? And then what is a thing that experiences gridlock? And then what are things that don't experience gridlock? And how I got through those, how I ended up navigating those questions for myself was getting into bats because I think of bats as like being highly densely populated and also just flying around all over the place all the time, like in this very haphazard way, but they don't seem to collide into one another. (laughs) And Mm. so 
so then I was like, well, how is it that bats can do that? And so then I saw that study about bats um, uh, actually doing a really interesting thing, which is uh, they make less sound when there's lots of them in order to keep the noise level down. It's a really interesting like social behavior that mm. they tend to echolocate less even when they would think you would need it more because it's so cacophonous and that keeps the signal down for everyone so you can sort of just do the signaling that you need to do instead of that's the opposite of human behavior isn't it yeah 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 so i thought that was really neat to taylor's point i do some work in um utah uh some on a long-standing art project that i've been working on for a very long time and that's that sound tower that you see in the photos um, for years, I've been trying to kind of make this old, um, like air traffic control style tower into a performance space. Um, well, just, and is so, this just your building? No, uh, no, the building is um, is owned by the airport uh, okay. where, where the tower is situated. Yeah. It's an it's a small airport. It used to be an army airfield, and so the bats have been occupying that building for a number of years. Um, and so I was like, oh, I'm going to a place where there are bats. So that made me really want to run with the idea as opposed to taking some other challenge, uh, task on. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to record the bats. And so I got this thing that you saw in the electronics diagram called the, the bat, bat seeker, mm-hmm. which takes the echolocation sounds that, which are our sounds, they're, um, higher frequency than our ears can hear. And then it like down samples, that's the wrong word, but pitch shifts and pitch shifts. Exactly. Yeah. Down into a range we can hear. And so I was like, yes. And I got it in time before my trip. Like I was so psyched. I was like, I got this weird boutique device. It's like 3d printed. It's this really cool. Um, very small, like one person company in, in Canada who makes this thing, uh, that I found and, and it shipped in time and it arrived in time for my trip and I got it. And I got to the bat cave and I opened it up and there was not one bat in there. <laughs> oh, man. Uh. <laughs> because they they go to a warmer environment in a cave. Like, I think it's caves and stuff. There's right. a lot of caves around there yep. in the winter. And so I opened up the bat cave and I'm like, yeah, here we go, bats. <laughs> it's empty. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, man. So, so what I wanted to do was to transmit the sound of the bats to those speakers Um about 250 feet 275 feet away so anybody who wanted to could just come up and kind of push a button and hear the bats you know but i so i got this is like a classic story of my life i got all the tech part working i got the installation done but the content is gone yes. <laughs> so, oh, that, that is the perfect metaphor man <laughs> yeah and so so oh, as a test i just i just opened up like youtube and played like i think roger and zaps more bounce to the ounce <laughs> through <Yeah>. the speakers. <laughs> there it is so I got the project working, and maybe when the bats show up in the spring, I can revisit this project and people can hear them. But nice. right now it's empty. So it is covered in back poop. Yeah, my the whole time I was working, my my thing threatened to not happen until the very last second. So I totally uh-huh. feel you. Nice. nice. Yep. Yep. So so thank, thanks to both of you for wandering this very meandering path that I took through gridlock. Um, <laughs> and you guys, you guys did great. So. Yeah, sure. Thank you. As as we're going through the photos and I'm trying to figure out what's going on and I'm I'm not getting it. It reminded me of like why I don't like playing board games with other 
people yeah. because <laughs> yep. I feel I always I, I feel dumb when I play board games, whether it's like yeah. I'm making the wrong move, I'm being judged or I'm not answering the trivia question. Right. And so <laughs> I just avoid games altogether because I, I don't like that feeling of not knowing what's going on. I'm afraid you're going to return to that with mine a little bit. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm ready. I'm ready <laughs> but, for it now. I'm, I'm but just know prepared. that uh, Rob is in the exact same boat as you. I mean, we have yep. Yep. and uh, we have no idea. We're just kind of trying to look at this stuff totally, totally virginal. David, should, should yep. we look at your project here? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, Taylor, now we get to go on, on David's board game. Yeah, let's take a look. <laughs> All right, three images. Oh. I'm going to pop up the one ending in 677. I am seeing a wooden object, and the scale is a little hard to yeah. tell, but I'm going to guess it's either sort of coaster-sized or larger, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. still pretty small, because I think we're getting up on it pretty tight here. And it's really nice. There's a bunch of different kinds of wood that are being used, so there's it's it's flat and square, and so there's sort of a, a piece of molding running around the outside that's this light wood, and on the interior, there's a bunch of nice complex inlay. Um, almost like a chessboard if a chessboard only had four squares. Like like Taylor said, there's four squares, and then there's four circles that have this really beautiful, so exact, almost um, target rings on the inside. Like there's an one, inscribed two. line, yeah. And it looks, it looks, this picture looks so good close up. It's like you can really see the interesting like details in the wood and also the inscriptions that uh, David did. And so two of those, it is like a checkerboard in that there's a grid of four squares and it's like alternating um there's you know two rows uh and two columns so the top row is like light and then dark and then the second row is dark and then light there there is what looks to be like four checkerish pieces mm-hmm. two dark and two light and i'm on there and so what's interesting with a checkerboard is you you often have a place to move an empty square but in this case you don't so i wonder if um you just have to have an epic battle scene in the yeah, middle it's just, of the board. It's just a, a permanently uh, gridlock checkerboard. <laughs> yes, yeah, yes. <laughs> the circular, the checkers pieces are are placed so precisely upon their squares. I wonder if they're yes. affixed permanently or if they, you know, lock down into little um, little depressions or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah. That inlay is beautiful. But it's a super tight object and. Um, just some really great detail, like the way that the lighter squares have their grain running horizontal and the darker squares have their grain running vertical. Vertical, yeah. And the, yeah. Um, the inlay, some of it is so skinny, just like a little tiny highlight of white or black. And then whatever that cool wood is around the outside almost looks like a, um, a stain of um, a DNA um, uh, sequencing or something like that. It does, yeah. It has that like like really short vertical repeating lines mm-hmm, all the way around mm-hmm. it but with a nice Maybe amount of variance yeah 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 that's really nice i taylor i really like your gridlock concept of like the checkerboard that can't go anywhere yeah yeah let's ask about it how do we do it's an art piece and it's called impossible checkers so, <laughs> yes uh so yeah you, you you pretty much nailed it i nice i really i've been thinking about gridlock for almost two weeks and i'm like really mm-hmm. struggling because it has it has a really it has a definition and it's it's and it's about cars being stuck yeah. on a square grid yep. and i thought well, standstill 
you know, um, uh, um, stalemate. And so that I then stalemate kind of stuck in my head. I'm like, what can I do with stalemate? So I made this little checkerboard. There's only four squares and there's four pieces and there's nowhere for you to go. And so good. I, the one thing that I struggled with is I was originally going to permanently attach the checker pieces. And then I decided, no, uh-huh, it's like uh-huh. this, it's meant to be played, but you can't play it. Yeah. It looks great. Is, is it, so were it's these great, all pieces yeah. of wood that you had around or did you have to go seek any of these out? Uh, these are all pieces of wood that I had just laying around. So it is nice. about uh, six inches by six inches square. Uh, oh, yeah. The, you got it. The, yeah. the circles are exactly one and a half inches um, wide. So, yeah, th- this was made. I did a video a couple weeks ago about making inlay banding, which is that's what you see surrounding the, the checker pattern, which is a, mm-hmm. yep. a zebra wood and... Uh, some sort of ebony and maple and all of that. The, then the four squares are red zebra wood. And oh. uh, I'm not sure what that other dark wood is. I, I just picked the darkest wood that I could find in my shop. It's some sort of exotic wood. Oh, cool. That's, That's cool. not stained. That is That's not stained. No, th- these are oh, all natural oh my pieces. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then that is on a piece of soft maple. Yeah, you you guys nailed it. Well, you set us up for it. Good job. And uh, Rob, one thing that you might find useful or our listeners might find useful. So if you look on KenCraft's website, there's just a terminology page. And so it talks about a lot of the basics like how many sides are faced, you know, buying things by quarters, things like that. And so this is just a guess on my part. But if you're looking for a place that likes to help out the newbie, if they have a bunch of resources on their page that contractors would know already, Mm. um, then that might be a hint that they're going to be cool with coming in and hanging out oh, yeah. oh right that's a stuff, good yeah. point yeah that's a good point it's cool that the kimcraft website has people's projects on it too i noticed that and i was like oh that's really neat no like i didn't someone made like a really cool tr- like photo tripod out of wood and i was like mm-hmm. that's really cool did, uh, <clears throat> uh, w- when you were working on this did you encounter any problems or was it a, a smooth build it was a pretty smooth build up until i i i told you guys before we hit record that I finished this a half hour before we started this oh, right. conversation. <laughs> I started it yet uh, a couple days ago, and then I had yeah, to make yeah. the checker pieces today. And the there's some concentric circles, mm-hmm. laser uh, engraved on right. the checker oh. pieces. So, it, and then the circles were actually cut on a CNC. So on a flat piece of wood, I did the concentric circle engravings, and then would put that onto the CNC, center the bit in the middle and just have it cut the the, the circle out of that. And mm-hmm. um, one of the issues that I constantly have with the CNC is how to clamp pieces down. And this time right, I was yeah. using double-sided tape and w- like f- with 45 minutes to go, the double-sided tape st- came undone in the middle of the CNC cut. Oh, and I'm no. like, no! And like, luckily, my my shop is soundproof because I I yelled. I don't remember exactly what I yelled, but I was able to quickly uh, cut a, cut another one out. Nice, uh, wow! Like you mentioned, the the wood is beautiful, and and it's kind of expensive. So that like it really stinks to screw up this rarish, expensive, beautiful wood and having to start over. Yeah, I mean, do you guys ever think about how preposterous it is that you're taking a living thing? And, and making these art objects out of its carcass. Like, that always really blows my mind. And j- just the fact that wood is such a, 
Yeah, it's like it's everywhere. It's at the hardware store, but it has this really, you know, the biological origin of it, I feel like, is not reproduced in other types of fabrication. I'm sort of disgusted now. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Me too. Me too. Yeah. Way to go, Debbie Downer. All right, uh, yeah. why don't you guys take a look at my uh, take a look at my stuff? All right, David. Um, it looks like Taylor has given us two images and a, a text file of some sort. Yes, labeled one, two, and three. Yeah, I'm still so shocked when I see an image that's .heic. Yeah, yeah I think like, it's a phone thing, right? Yeah. High yeah. efficiency interchange something. I think. Oh, something. Yeah. yeah. And then pushes up his glasses with his with his finger. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> so I see what appears to be some laser-cut pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, this is laid out on a desk. So they're they're fairly small yep. because they're not much bigger than his computer keyboard. Yeah, keyboard for scale. Yeah, keyboard <laughs> for scale. And um, possibly cut out of MDF or some sort of synthetic type yep. of material. Um, yep. There's a circle with, a, with teeth and the inside. So it's almost yeah. like a, a an inverted sprocket, I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the teeth are on the inside, right? And then there's another circle which is missing the center. And that center piece is is there outside of its circle with looks like a coin slot type thing. Right. Yeah, there's a couple of coin slots and a few of the pieces, so it looks like we may get some interlocking or something happening. Yeah. And then there's another circular piece that's kind of cloud like. It's uh one, two, three, four, five, six, oh, yeah. seven, eight little little half circles or moons on the outside of it. And that also yep. has the the coin slot in there. Yeah, they're very mysterious these pieces. Very mysterious. Like, I don't see them fitting together in any logical way in my brain yet. Yeah. And then there's one last piece that has the coin slot but also has some sort of spring like shape mm-hmm. cut into it. Uh, it looks like yeah. maybe it's meant to be flexible. That one's really hard to describe, but these pieces look like they don't fit together at all. Aha. Uh-huh. As soon as you said flexible, I had a thought that maybe the teeth in that one ring, maybe it fits inside. Oh. Oh, I think And I, it's going to like tick, 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 tick. Like, yeah. I don't know. So we'll have to see where that goes. Yeah, I, you guys are doing know. a great job. You well, if it, yeah, <laughs> if it doesn't go in that direction, I'm going to be very disappointed now. Yeah, we're going to be mad at you. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, just okay, a four hour video image. of me burning it. Yeah. <laughs> let's do image number, number two. We've got, oh, okay. Interesting. We've got some clamps, some like classic uh, big box orange store clamps uh, and maybe some glue or epoxy. So we, we have the piece that has the cog teeth on the inside being glued to a more donutty looking shape. Uh, and then there we have that, that piece that looks like um, what Dave mentioned. There's a piece that is cut in such a way that it, it has a bending. It's cut to give it uh, enough room that it's springy on one on one little arm of it and it's got one little tooth and that's being glued to something it might be just a smaller disc for reinforcement or something and it looks like that coin slot shape might be used to hold it all together or something once it's put together but i'm not quite sure there are two sets that are glued together and we still have this cloud piece that doesn't seem to fit anywhere yes Hmm. 
Okay, so ah, uh, yes, this is a this is a this is like a, a classic Taylor Hokinson uh, sleight of hand where we get a text document, and inside the text document <laughs> is a link to a video. Can, can I just say, I used to work at an ad agency, and so many times the client would send us a JPEG, but embedded inside the the Microsoft what's the a PowerPoint. Like they, yeah, right. There's a whole PowerPoint for the one. Yeah, they put they just put a JPEG into a PowerPoint and send it to us. Like, you don't have to do that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. So are we playing the video now? Both hit the play button on uh on three two one go. That way we can both kind of watch along okay. separately in our own location. So three, two, one, go. Taylor's showing us the pieces he's assembled. Nice. So the cloud shape is for Taylor's hand. And it's a knob. It's a, yeah, it's a knob, like an interface affordance. Oh, there it goes. Okay. Now all the pieces are kind of stacked and glued into each other. Yep. The, the inverted yep. sprocket piece um, has that little springy clicker on the inside. And yeah, like that, a bird beak. Yeah, like a bird beak. That's a good description. And that's rotating around the little clickies. And so the cloud is is basically just a really... Um, shallow knob that he's turning and, yes. and it makes little little clicking sounds and i love that it it interlocks for no it's not like we're we're like winching up you know an anvil or something over our heads or anything yeah. it's just it just moves along and like interlocks and then you can just keep twisting it as much as you like it's almost like a oh i'm gonna i'm gonna say the really bad word a fidget spinner but um <laughs> but it's a don't a ratchet a fidget ratchet yeah <laughs> fidget ratchet <laughs> so the, the title of the video is laser cut counter so this is a oh. way of counting something counting yeah yeah, yeah. but it, that actually is a a use yeah so you guys did a great job so one of the challenges i had with this is i've had um a resurgence of this chronic pain condition in my oh, abdomen right. that i've been dealing with for a number of years and um as a current uh, parent and also doing all this caregiving at school and everything, I realized I just haven't been taking care of my body, you know, like getting enough sleep and doing that kind of stuff. And I've been thinking about the things that you do to make sure you stay healthy as just distractions that keep me from work. Um, so I was thinking that, so the gridlock was only vaguely related in that I was just having a lot of trouble caring for myself and I wanted to kind of come up with a way like a reward system that I could use to track self-care. Um, so at first I was thinking about making a sort of inverted voodoo doll. So it would be like a, vo- a voodoo doll that would remind me to be nice. Um, but then <laughs> I was looking around online and just thinking, what if I had, you know, cause my phone is kind of part of the problem and you know, the stress that comes from social media and all that. So what if I just made a little physical object I could carry around and every time I drink 12 ounces of water or sleep for a full eight hours or something like that, oh. I can just give myself a point. Uh, it's a counter. And every time you move it one click, it has a satisfying click. And it's almost like a, like a little reward. Like, yes, like exactly. Yeah. You have a pet, and every time they do a thing, you, you give them the reward. And so this, is, this feels like your reward for treating yourself right. Right. That's yeah. really great. I mean, yeah, kind of yeah. gamifying it. And um, making it a thing, like taking the time to actually lay out, you know, a spreadsheet that says, like, if you, you know, you feel better when you stretch every day, you feel better when you do this and that every day. Um, And so, yeah, like trying to restore that to something that's worth uh, 
following up on instead of just a distraction from writing, you know, well, I could have written three more emails in the time it took to you know, like stretch my <laughs> hamstring or whatever. Yep. Um, yep. And then I also have to admit that the, the idea is largely lifted from this uh, website. It's uh, jokam.com, J-O-K-A-M-M. And it was interesting. The the original invocation is called a laser cut Omer counter O M E R, and um, as the as the designer says, the Omer is the period in the Jewish calendar between Passover and is it Shavuot? I'm not sure, or is mm-hmm. that just Shabbat? I I don't know how to pronounce it. But so there are 49 days between these two events. So in the original version, which they sell on Etsy. There's a lot of um, references to Judaica and stuff on there. It's, it's intended oh, to be kind of a spiritual cool. object. Yeah. Um, it's pretty funny, too. When they talk about it, they say, you know, the, the darkness of the hardboard and the um, the smoky smell of the laser recalls incense and candles. <laughs> wow. I <laughs> think, well, not really. It just kind of smells bad. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's me having done laser cutting. We did it. We gridlocked. You can find photos of our finished projects over at our project site projects.opposablepodcast.com. We also have links in our show notes and also post cool stuff to our Instagram account, which is opposable underscore podcast. We'd like to send you an opposable thumb sticker. If you share a podcast episode on social media, rate us on iTunes, send smoke signals or some other cool thing to let people know about the podcast, we will mail you a sticker. Just contact us on Instagram at opposable underscore podcast or at our email address, which is opposablepodcast at gmail.com. We'd like to give a shout out to Wesley Ellis, Charlene McBride, Adam Mayer, Deb Chatra, Blondie Hacks, Nick Kantar, Walter Katundu, and David Bellhorn. They're our top Patreon supporters. If you'd like to join them in our League of Patreon supporter badasses, please go to patreon.com slash opposable thumbs to sponsor us. Anything you can donate really helps keep the podcast going. Our podcast is dedicated to providing a harassment-free experience for everyone, regardless of race, gender, age, sexual orientation, disability, physical appearance, body size, knowledge of subject matter, or religion, or lack thereof. We actively support an inclusive environment, and we want you to be a part of it. You can check out our full code of conduct over at our site. David, do you have any um, links to your own works or to things that you enjoy out in the world that you'd like our listeners to know about? Hmm. So... I guess if links to my own work, just go to youtube.com slash make something and there's, you're going to find videos of all the stuff that I do. Um, I'm really, really into this other YouTube channel called Bon Appetit. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So good. I just found out about this. Yeah. It's a cooking channel and I like cooking, uh, but I, I'll never make the stuff that they make <laughs> in the videos, but that's <laughs> not the point. I'm inspired by the stuff that they do and the videos are done in such a way that it's also entertaining and so good. They, yeah. they put out a lot of videos and there's a lot of different hosts, you know, there's a pastry chef and then a whatever type of chef. And then they do things that have nothing to do with cooking every once in a while. My buddy, Jimmy Dresta was just on the, on their channel. So they, they, it's a, it's a magazine that gets it. You know, there's a lot of mm-hmm. magazines mm-hmm. that have that have fallen away recently, but they totally. get it. They understand the, where media is at right now, and they just do yep. such an amazing job and so so good. So good, yeah, yeah. Like they have ones where they like a re- they have ones that are like um just a, the ones that I've seen where like they have someone blindfold and like they taste a thing and they try to like unpack how it's made yeah it's amazing yeah it's 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 very yeah it's so it's like private detective for taste it's like really wild and then some people like try to recreate kind of i mean i dare say like kind of a lowbrow or like fast food items like 
Like, can you make a gourmet Dorito that tastes just like a regular Dorito? Yeah, yeah Abigail was really just cool. telling me about that. that yeah. Exact thing. Oh, cool. So yeah. That yeah. that is my favorite, my my favorite series on there. Like, Pastry Chef attempts to make so gourmet Mentos. This is, is like a yes. recent one. Yep. Um, and the, <laughs> you know, there's good. Doritos and blah blah blah. And then there's another host where she will be back to back with a guest who is not a chef or familiar oh. with the kitchen at all. And she will make a thing and she'll have all the ingredients in front of her. And then the guest who is at her back, who can't see what she's doing, will also have all the same ingredients. And she Whoa. will try to tell them how to make the thing. And then <laughs> when they're all done, at the end of the episode, they turn around and they present each other's dishes. And it's, it's really, it's, it's, it's quite a challenge. They're really creative over there. Right now I'm reading Alistair Reynolds, who is a sci-fi author and really, really digging it. But if anybody watched Death, Sex, and Robots, the Netflix miniseries, um, he did this uh, short called Zima Blue, which is about a a robot artist who keeps repainting this blue square over and over. And then the big reveal is that long ago, uh, one of the progenitors to this robot was just a robot that cleaned somebody's pool, like an automatic pool cleaner. <laughs> and, uh-huh, uh-huh. and so he's just remembering um, when he first gained consciousness, and he was always in search of the perfect clean blue square. And so when he becomes a humanoid artist, um, that's what he pursues. So yeah, Alistair Reynolds, just been digging, reading his stuff. I wanted to give a shout out to Wesley Ellis, who is a uh, listener of the podcast and also um, you know donates to our Patreon. He made an orange acrylic computer case that looks stunning it's made out of that like it's like opaque orange so it's not translucent like bright orange it's this really nice like 70s almost color orange um and he made his own computer case which is something i would i would think about and then immediately reject (laughs) it's being too hard so (laughs) so it was really really cool that he did it and we'll um we'll post links so you can see the images of his case there it's an atx computer case it looks great i love how you can say 70s orange People just know what you're talking yeah. about. Like that's yeah, that's great. Yep, yeah. Like, right, yeah. right now, like a part of a rainbow that has brown in it. Yes, <laughs> and like an olive green. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I wanted to give a shout out to the world of fake batteries. <laughs> and there's there's many different kinds. And and through my exercise with the um the bat seeker, uh. And I, I feel like I'm often trying to take something that's battery powered and make it wall powered or make it solar powered. And so there's a couple of, if you're ever trying to do something like that, there's a couple of different things I wanted to let people know about. One of them is just, um, there is a product that I think got started because of people's LED lighting for their for their holiday lighting on their house. These like Christmas light, you know, strings. So those are often battery powered, but people don't want to like chew through batteries on them. And so they make a thing that is a fake plastic battery that has you know a metal wire going in between it and so it looks like a double a but it has a very thin ribbon cable coming off the side uh that plugs into like a wall wart style transformer Hmm. and so what you can do is you can pop those fake batteries into a battery powered thing and then even close up the lid because it's a ribbon cable you can just close snap the back back on and um run a battery operated thing uh, through your wall the wall wart will do the ac dc conversion yeah there is one downside so far which is right now that nobody sells one that like would let you switch between like 1.5 volt 3 volt 4.5 volt and 6 volt you know like depending on how many batteries you would normally have so like a two 
two double A's, right? It's three volts where one double A is 1.5. You have to buy the three volt one, which is works for two double A's, right? Like you can't mm. sort of come up with your own configuration, which is a little bit of a bummer in my opinion, but, but yeah, it, it totally works in the wall where you plug in. It only really works for things like so far that I've seen, like maybe like a boom box or something like that, you know? Um, but a boombox is a great example, right? Like nobody wants to buy nine D batteries anymore. <laughs> um, Seriously. You would just want to plug it in or, or use like some kind of, uh, uh, lithium ion battery or something like that. Right. Um, there's also these things. The second item I have is they do sell, uh, C and D adapters. So it's, a, it looks like a D size battery, but you unscrew the cap and you can pop three triple a batteries in there. And that that's cool. That gives you the D size, but um, everybody tends to have now these days more AAA and, and, and AA batteries because voltages on on microcontrollers are so much lower now, um, and amperages are too. So it lets you not have to buy C and D batteries, and you can use your AAAs instead, which is really cool. And then the last one, this is a, a new 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 one for me, is I don't know if i don't really dabble in the world of flashlights which feel which feels like it's its own like lifestyle choice you know like high-powered flashlights and that kind of stuff but they tend to use this battery called a cr123 which is a weird squat it looks like you took a double a battery and stepped on it you know and it like flattened it like smooshed down those batteries are very expensive and tend to not be rechargeable and so there's a some companies now that make these CR123 batteries that have a micro USB charging port in the side of the battery. <laughs> so you can you can yeah. you can take this battery and plug the sidewall of the battery into a micro USB cable and recharge it with your laptop. That sounds like such a fire hazard, man. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm excited to set my place on fire yeah, with one nice. of these. So I just wanted to give a shout out to all the different ways people are exploring try t- trying to like use battery technologies knowing that like batteries are so weird and whack now because most people now just have like phone batteries or whatever yeah so, right on. anyway that's my been in my, my i took a big adventure into fake batteries for that's my really challenge cool. so i thought i'd yeah i thought i'd share some of those things the only the only problem is the the micro usb or whatever i i i have this personal choice like no more usb c only it has to yep. be usb c we oh, all have to get to on the same page yeah yeah, I have a few mini USBs. I have a lot of micro USBs. I have a bag full of cables. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah. Oh, we have reached the point in the podcast, David, where you get to tell us our challenge for the next episode. Oh, nice. you ready? Let's hear yes. it. Future no- nostalgia. Oh, <laughs> so good. Yep. Maybe it's time for you oh to make that orange ATX case, Rev. That's right. Oh man. Oh yeah. We we have a lot of stuff that we talked about even in this episode that can really help help me create my mind map for the next one. Oh, <laughs> Future fun. nostalgia. That's a great one. Yeah. Yeah. I will send this to our guests uh, right as soon as we hang up. Future nostalgia times Thanksgiving. I'll just pretend I plan that out for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. 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 The, uh, yeah. For Thanksgiving, we have a surprise guest coming on, so I will. I will make them aware of future nostalgia. Yeah, I don't. I don't know who the guest is, so that mm-hmm. that should be a fun one. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow, Dave, it was really great to meet you and talk to you about your practice. Yeah, too. totally. That was fun. Thank you for having me on. You have done so many things um, creatively that have inspired me to make other things, um, and Taylor, you have as well. And so it was a really particularly rewarding episode for me. So thanks so much to both of you. Right on.
Are you uh, spearfishing yourself right now? Yeah, I've got some hacking myself. I hacked myself. 